When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. My mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. This is the business of film. You've just heard clips, including that wonderful, wonderful last line of... Uh, uh, some like it hot. I am going to be talking now to James Cameron Wilson as we look at current films in the UK and how they are doing at the box office. So, James, what is it looking like? Well, you may recollect that last weekend the box office jumped by an almighty 120%. So I did, entirely because of Wakanda Forever, from what I recall. Uh, yes, yeah. and Wakanda Forever is still at number one. So we can't expect such glory this time around. It has actually dipped 36.9%. But looking on the bright side, that's still better than... It's still up hmm. by 4.5% in the same period of last year. So I always try to look on the bright side. We have six new entries in the chart. Ooh, okay. But uh, none of them can shift Black Panther, Wakanda forever, which did, though, drop 50%, but it had quite a momentous opening. And it's already now made a total of £22.7 million sterling. Ooh. And as you know, I'm not a huge fan of these sort of films, but I did prefer it to Black Panther because I think it was more pertinent to what's going on in the world today. And it's culturally very rich. Visually, it's very rich. And there's some very good performances, uh, a very strong female cast. I also saw the film at number two called The Menu. Oh, do you know right. anything about this? I do know some things about this. Um, what I don't know is if I'm going to find it too um, horrendous to, to watch. The um, two or three things I read about it, it obviously indicate that it's quite black in places, but I don't know if I'm going to find it too gruesome. I can't quite tell. But yes, anyway, you have seen it. I haven't, so let me know. Well, you don't see a Will Ferrell film for years and then two come along in quick succession. Yes. I'm talking about last week's Spirited which was a, a, a modern take on A Christmas Carol. But mm. here he's a producer, and I think he's probably a better producer than he is an actor. After all, his credits as a producer include Vice, Booksmart, and Hustlers with Constance, mm. Constance Wu, and TV's Succession, of mm. course, directed by Mark Mylod. And it is Mylod who returns to the fold with this wonderfully sharp satire on the world of haute cuisine. Did you know that fruit and vegetables only make up 6% of the global diet? I learnt this from the celebrity chef Julian Slowick, played by Rafe Fiennes, mm. for whom the preparation of food is a religion, and he is the high priest. For 12.50 a head, 
and I don't think that's $12.50, <laughs> you get a once-in-a-lifetime dining experience. Mm. But this being the clever film that it is, we see the evening's antagonist, it's Bette Noir, in the very opening shot, a cigarette being lit. The timing is, like everything else with the menu, sublime. As Julian Slowick dictates to his exclusive clientele, don't eat, taste, savour, relish. Consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth. Be mindful, but do not eat. Our menu is too precious for that. And it's a bill of fare like no other, a succession of courses, each of which is more surprising than the last. It is a pageant that has been micromanaged months in advance. So when the rich, privileged and frankly supercilious foodie Tyler, Nicholas Holt with a faultless American accent, turns up with a companion not on the guest list, the very first cracks of the evening appear. She is played by Anya Taylor-Joy with a faultless American mm. accent and is called Margot. Although Julian Slowick, who has a nose for such things, doesn't feel that she looks like a Margot. I should mention the scriptwriters, Seth Rice and Will Tracy, who created such a beautiful thing from which Mark Mylod was able to rustle up his magic. The ingredients are wonderful, but so is the preparation, the simmering, the stir-frying, and the presentation. Ray Fiennes is one of the best actors alive, seldom given his due, but as a farceur, he is second to none, as witnessed by his comedic performances in In Bruges, The Grand Budapest Hotel, mm. and Hail Caesar, he is hysterical in all three, and here he has much of the film to himself, which is a rare treat. He commands centre stage with an icy stillness, levelling his withering gaze at any potential dissenter, as what he is about to offer up is the embodiment of the unconventional. And besides his army of cooks and kitchen staff, he has a wonderful foot soldier called Elsa, who will brook no argument, her superficial mask of cordiality, barely concealing her contempt for those overprivileged people, much like the passengers on the yacht in Triangle of Sadness, another film I loved, which is currently out. Elsa is played by Hong Chow, who has a habit of stealing the film she's in, such as Alexander Payne's equally surprising and stylish downsizing, and who is already drawing Oscar buzz for her role in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. She is wonderful. And then there's the sumptuous production design. The restaurant is set on a remote island. The perfectly pitched score and the ensemble acting. Mark Mylod was at pains not to exclude any one actor. So every performer is on the whole time with the floor of the restaurant being the stage, as if the camera was prowling round a live theatre performance. It is a truly ensemble piece, like an orchestra with Ray Fiennes, the conductor. 
His celebrity chef never cracks a smile, never winks at the audience. But as the evening gets, well, shall we say less relaxed, you begin to see his facade shift. I don't want to say any more as the film. Yeah, I know and I read that, your I read your review online of it. And the trouble is, I, I need to know, is this a horror film? No, it's not a horror film. It's sure. not a horror film. Okay. And I, I, I think its enjoyment value is predicated on its ability to surprise. So okay, that's no fine. I don't want you to tell me what happens. I just, I just don't want there to suddenly find that I'm there in a horror moments. film. There okay. are, it's, not, it's not a horror film. It's a oh. very black, dark satire, much like Triangle of Sadness. Mm. It has that same tone. Well, um, I haven't however, seen that I yet try. either, but um, uh, I, I will try. In that case, I will try and get to see it. But as you point out online, it is extraordinary how many good films there are about food and eating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Babette's Feast, Chef. Yeah. Yes. Like Water for Chocolate, Chocolat. I mean, the, the yeah, list, list is endless. Yeah, it, 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 yeah well, it virtually is. Eat Very drink. odd. Yeah. You would think it would be something that wouldn't work. In the cinema, but it well, does. I have to say, and I'm, I'm taking a friend out to dinner tonight, and she said, <clears> "What do you <throat> want?" I said, "Well, having seen Ray Fiennes cook a cheeseburger, I have to have a cheeseburger." <laughs> it is such an amazing advertisement for the best cheeseburger in the world. However, I would like to give special mention to Michael Buster, who will not be acknowledged in any other review of the film. He is the dialect coach. And considering that Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt and Janet McTeer all had to adopt American accents, I think he did a jolly good job. Excellent. Excellent. It is an okay, American James. film. Um, well, now, maybe this is a good moment for us to to, uh, to take a break before we go further down the chart, because I think you said there are quite a lot of new films there. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Uh, you're listening to The Business of Film, where I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson. So number two in the chart, highly recommended. I mean, you could hardly get a better review than that, James. The Menu with Ray Fiennes. It, so what's number it's three? It's certainly one of my favourite top three films of the year, all of oh. which I've seen very recently. And oh, I will mention good. Triangle of Sadness again and All <laughs> okay. Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. Triangle of Sadness, the problem I have is it's so long. And when you add in the sort of 15 to 20 minutes of, um, you know, trailers and ads you're going to get beforehand, you know, you're devoting it over three hours and then you've got to get to and from the cinema. So if you live in London, that's sort of five hours out of the day. It's a long time. I should make time. an evening of it. Well, I mean, when I you go to the ballet, when you go to the opera, when you go to ballet, the ballet, I never go to the ballet. I never go to the opera. I loathe both, James. Well, you've got a chance that <laughs> Matthew Bourne's Nutcracker is in the top ten. Yeah, okay, well, you can tell me that. <laughs> I don't. I listen to the music, but I don't want to have to see them dance. Um, okay, so what is number put, three? I will put your mind at rest because the menu is really the one film I just want to talk about. I want to see it. I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to bring friends to see it, but right. it is well, so clever. It. it is so surprising. And that, and that so from somebody funny. who's already seen Triangle of Sadness three times. It's only been out I have. about three weeks. Well, four weeks. Yes, four I, have. Weeks, I have seen it three times. <laughs> but to put your mind at rest, uh, I mm. don't really want to talk about any other films, uh, except oh, okay. maybe 
what? But I will zip through the chart. Okay. We have at number three, Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile, oh, yeah, yeah. down 20%. It was at number three. It's still number three. Quite a surprising success story, this. It's now made 12.2 million quid in it when it's on its sixth week. Black Adam has suffered a bit, down 37%. It was at number two. It's now at four, uh, with a total of... 19.3 million. It's now the sixth highest grossing DC extended universe epic of all out of the 11. Mm. We've got Living, which is holding quite well, Ooh. which was at number five last week, still at number five, down 31% with a total of 2.6 million. And I did Highly check. recommended. Yeah, yeah, I did yes. check this morning. And Bill Nye, he is still in the running for an Oscar nomination. He's still a, a hot favourite because these cha things change week by week. Yeah. Uh, nice. We have the Banshees of Inisherin, which was at Ooh. number four, down to number six, down 43%. And that's made £8.2 million, which is very good considering it's virtually a two-hander set on a remote Irish island. Mm. But a film we both loved. Mm. Uh, number seven, we've got a new film called After Sun, which is a semi-autobiographical debut feature from the writer-director Charlotte Wells about a holiday she took to Turkey, aged 11, with her father, the latter played here by Paul Meskel, which made £176,000 over the weekend. We have a seasonal Polish comedy, as we do, at number eight, called I don't know how to pronounce it. Listido M5. <laughs> right, OK. Uh, that's the best I can do. And I can't pronounce the next one either, which is uh, Drishyam 2, which is a very long Hindi crime drama at number nine. Mm. And number 10, the aforementioned Matthew Bourne's Nutcracker, which was a one-off Terpsichorean event based, of course, on the ballet by Tchaikovsky. I did actually see one more film, which... Correct can, I, can I just ask a question? Have I missed yeah. it? Did Matilda the Musical not come out next last weekend? Did it not hasn't opened yet. Oh, it hasn't as opened yet. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not I in a assumed... single cinema as we talk. Oh, I, I apologise. I thought it was the last weekend. I kept thinking, well, where where is it? It can't have done that badly. Um, anyway, <laughs> no. sorry. Okay, no, ignore, ignore not that. Not anywhere. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so what you said something that's not in the chart. Well, something that crept in, crawled in at number 16, which is a film called Confess, Fletch. Fletch is an undercover reporter who thinks the world of himself. Chevy Chase played him in Michael Rich's film of the same name, which was quite a success in 1985, prompting a sequel, Fletch Lives, four years later. I think the genre of the lightweight crime comedy was quite the thing back then mm. and hasn't really resurfaced for a while. Just the thought of it makes makes it seem outdated, a nostalgic mood conjured up here by David Arnold's score with a fidelity for the plucked strings of a double bass and a reverence for the memory of Henry Mancini. Indeed, watching Confess, Fletch, cumbersome title feels like a real trip down memory lane like witnessing a period piece were it not for the modern technology if you've seen the trailer you will already have an idea of the sort of smug smart ass shtick of fletch who 
when he's told that a Picasso has been stolen and that it's worth $20 million, he quips, well, that hardly seems worth stealing. Cut to a disbelieving reaction shot. Yes, this is the level of wit that the film has to offer. And this quip was so witty that it was saved for the trailer. Mm, grief. Right. Well, okay. that hardly seems worth stealing. <laughs> but there's more. When he stumbles across the body of a woman in the house where he is staying in, he rings the police, but not the emergency line. When he's reprimanded for this, he quips, well, the emergency part seems to be over. Fletch really is a jokester, and here he's played by John Hamm, who I know best from voicing the role of Herb Overkill in Minions. But I'm sure he's done other stuff. <laughs> yes, he certainly has, yes. Uh, okay, but is he a comedian? Is he funny? Is the he's film funny? I mean, no, I mean, he's best known for Mad, Mad Men. He's certainly not funny in that. I haven't seen Mad Men. I am, of no. course, aware. And, and John, John Slattery uh, turns up in a supporting role in this as well. Uh, for a while there, as Fletch is seen pootling around the main tourist attractions of Rome on a Vespa, I was mildly engaged, if not wildly amused. Mm. He says, I am adorable. Him, not me. And when he falls into bed with the attractive daughter of an art collector who's been kidnapped, I felt the film was losing its credibility. Fletch is meant to be a master of disguise in the books by Gregory MacDonald. But here, even his facial expression doesn't change. So he goes from Rome to Boston to follow the trail of the kidnapping and the art theft and is met with the weirdest people this side of Westminster. Everybody is a weirdo. Even the police are weird. The chief inspector keeps on falling asleep on the job and his detective, Griselda, keeps on walking into and spilling things. There's the neighbour who, in the course of one conversation with Fletch, catches herself on fire, sets fire to the cooker and almost cuts her own thumb off. And then there's Kyle McLachlan as an OCD art dealer who comes armed with an infrared fingerprint detector and dances in a funny way to EDM, electric dance music. I think one eccentric in a movie can be funny. Mm. But when every character is an eccentric and we're relying on the reaction shot of John Hamm, I just lost the will. Simon. Uh, what a great shame. My, it, I don't think I found Fletch very funny to begin with, with Chevy Chase. Can you remember back 1985? I remember you when I saw it, but I remember... No, if only. No, I vaguely remember Fletch. I mean, that was the trouble with Chevy Chase. He could be good, but most of his movies were dreadful. This is Yeah, that happens to a lot of people, like Will Ferrell. <laughs> yes, that's, I'm afraid. Well, and John Don't... Candy, sort of similar era possibly, as well. I mean, incredibly funny man who made a lot of very, very, very bad movies, as well as some good ones. Okay, James, so we still have some time left. I'm hoping there's something else you've you've seen. Well, I did hop onto Netflix last week, and I really can't think, think of any other filmmaker alive today, except maybe for Pedro Almodovar, who is such a boon to the actress. The Chilean director, Sebastian Lelio, first came to international attention with Gloria in 2013, nine years ago, which was the story of a middle-aged divorcee who haunts the discos of Santiago. The leading lady, Paulina Garcia, went on to ensnare the Silver Bear for Best Actress at the Berlin Film Festival. Then Lelio took a different turn 
with a fantastic woman, one of my favourite films of 2017, being the touching, haunting and mesmerising story of what it is to be human, with an astonishing performance by Daniela Vega, who won a fistful of international awards. Then came Disobedience with Rachel Weisz and Rachel McAdams, set in the stultifying world of Jewish orthodoxy in North London. And then the remake of Gloria, Gloria Bell, with Julianne Moore. Now Lelio returns to the world of religious orthodoxy in which the four main protagonists are all women. The film is set in the 1860s in the wilds of Ireland. Think the Banshees of Inner Sharon. And a wonder is taking place. The film is called The Wonder. It's available on Netflix. It's Sebastian Lelio's latest film. An 11-year-old girl has not eaten for four months and yet appears to be in the bloom of good health. This rattles various factions of the establishment, including the church, the medical world, and science. The local doctor, played by Toby Jones, tries to think outside the box and reckons that there are other forces at play, something we haven't come across yet, maybe related to magnetism or a form of photosynthesis, with the girl inadvertently absorbing energy from the sun. So an English nurse is called for, both to monitor the girl's health and to share a round-the-clock vigil with a local nun to make sure that Anna O'Donnell is not sneaking any Mars bars into the mm. croft. The nurse, Elizabeth Wright, is played by Florence Pugh, a widow who's just returned from the Crimea and is determined to get to the bottom of the mystery. And so a friendship develops between the wonder and her guard, as does a friendship between Elizabeth and a journalist from The Telegraph, who has arrived to cover the story. The latter is played by Tom Burke. And although he is a fine actor, I found the sexual current here unnecessary. I was hoping for one film in which a man and a woman don't have to see themselves mm. as sexual conquest. Be that as it may, The Wonder is a moving work of art. One has come to expect the sort of Rembrandt look of period pieces set in poor cottages lit just by candlelight. But that doesn't mean it isn't a pleasure to behold. And there's a wonderfully ambient score from Matthew Herbert that is at once compelling and unsettling. And it's a strange cross, this film, because I think it's very modern in the way it uses narrative. And it's also very... Well, like many art house films, it's just so beautiful to look at. I hope Lelio uses more of his work in the future of Matthew Herbert, because I think he's a real plus for the film. And of course, it is Florence Pugh who really draws the viewer in. An actress I know you're incredibly impressed with whenever she she turns up. Um, well, she always brings I, I wanted this... to see it in the cinema, but it vanished very quickly. So I will try and catch that, James. I've had other friends who Netflix. told me it's good. I've had other friends tell me it's very good. Yeah. It's got a very odd start, and I think that's a real shame because it's yes, it which I've read, which I've read about. Yes, I've read about the start, but and it takes all of her thespian talent to draw you back into the real mm. story. I don't quite know what on earth he was doing that, with that, starting with the studio and then the camera panning, yes. uh, in, for, for you know, following her journey to Ireland. Very, very odd. But she is terrific, and she really brings a passionate intelligence to a backward society where dogma counts more than the life of a child. Well, that's fantastic. James, thank you very much indeed. I know we will both be talking about um, 
uh, Matilda the musical based on the the, the stage musical because that's the new you Stephen Graham musical, isn't it? Uh, it is Stephen Graham. The new musical, Stephen yes. Graham musical. The yeah. news, has, how many other musicals has he done? <laughs> no, Gangs of Gangs of New York. That wasn't a musical, was it? No, no. A lot of people forget he was even in it. Stephen Graham, again, one of those incredibly dependable actors. It was just, you just enjoy him as any film in which he's he's there. Um, fantastic. Well, he did a great film about food <laughs> called Boiling Point. Oh, which I haven't seen, but people tell me is is worthwhile. Is, is it? Another great film about yeah. food. Okay. In a restaurant. Oh, fantastic. James, thank you very much indeed. That's it for this edition of The Business of Film. My thanks to James Cameron Wilson, who will be back with more at the same time. Uh, if you would like to join us then, we would be glad to have your company. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Easy, miss. I've got you. you you've got me? Who's got you? <laughs> I am not an animal! Where the devil am I supposed?